just your reminder to subscribe and be sure to let us know what theme you'd like to see dad tackle in the new year. We're getting our themes ready for you guys and we really want to make sure they're going to be ones you love. Enjoy the episode. Hi guys. We're live. We're we're live and we don't have your usual dad, the dad you're expecting. We're back home in Minnesota for the holidays and he decided to stay in California. And so we have a new dad coming on today. Replacement dad. Just, you know, adoptive dad for the week. It's it's all good. That'll work. Today we are joined by my brother, Matt. You guys have met him in the past, I believe, on Father Knows and Two Hot Takes with his infamous stripper story. Got him in a little <laughs> trouble. But for those that don't know, Matt has been married since October 10th, 2015. He has two kids. He's been going through it, being a dad. He has two other kids he's, here. He's got two fur kids. They're a little goofy too. I mean, Matt lives a crazy life and him and Amy, his wife, are kicking off a podcast this year. Um, it's just a year behind. Just a year behind schedule, but it's going to be called Midwest Married. And it's kind of all about marriage, kids, and everything else that goes into that. Yeah. All good things friends. are delayed. All yeah. good, good things, things are delayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm never on time, so yeah, that's all good. We had to keep the people waiting. Yeah, okay, but we found we found quite the assortment for him, so it should be a good yeah. a good mix today. And this is episode 101. Yeah, dang, with yeah Matt. Ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. Up first. All right. Number one. It's almost 2024, and I'm at an identity crossroads in life. I'm a mid-30s wife and mom who recently became unemployed with a major issue with declaring, I'm a stay-at-home mom. My recent unemployment came from a cut at my job I've worked at for 10 years, And with that cut led my husband being tickled pink of me becoming a stay-at-home mom to kids all in school minus summer. It sure surprised me to lose my job, but it also surprised me to come to realize my husband was so wanting this to be our path in life. I do understand it's an amazing opportunity that my husband is able to provide this path for our kids and my family, and that provides him with a sense of pride too. My issues are, I never thought this would be who I am. Granted, this situation is pretty new, but I'm having a major issue with my own perception of myself. I suppose you could say I've judged moms in the past of being a stay-at-home mom, and I suppose I've been envious of stay-at-home moms too, to have a level of less rat race of life with the kids. I just feel like I'm at a crossroads of who I am, and maybe I'm more than my supporting role of being a mom, dutifully being there for my kids and being my husband's wife. Some more info, I'm so grateful I'm able to be given the chance to be not strapped to find a new job ASAP. I'm so grateful for the support of my family and how excited my kids are over not being in summer school care. They can't wait for the best summer ever to come. But I am worried I will struggle with a lot in the next chunk of time. 
Ideal outcome, I think my biggest need is to help guide me to believe in myself in this next phase of life and be confident. Okay, guest dad. All right. So there's a lot to unpack with this. Um, I know several stay-at-home moms and my boss's wife is actually a stay-at-home mom. So we talk about like that dynamic a lot. And I think that when you have had it planned out that you are going to be in a career and working and providing, having a dual income for a long time, you've set yourself up on that path. You've done all the things to, to be in the working field and then to be laid off, been there twice sucks and your whole world changes. Like, holy cow. It's kind of a confidence crush too. You're yeah. just like, right? oh, it hurts. So I think that Ultimately, you should take this time. It's fresh. Enjoy the free time that you have because you have had that second income. You're not strapped. Sounds like your husband probably is able to provide enough for you guys to survive. So, for instance, my boss, I mean, he makes really good money and they don't need the second income. Mm -hmm. Once their kids are old enough to stay at home alone she's going to go back into the working field and then they're going to be crushing it. But there's nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom. And like ultimately, if you take this little bit of time and you give the stay-at-home mom thing a try and you don't like it, go back to work. You mm -hmm. can do that. Regardless of what your husband super excited and tickled pink about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, it's your life and it's your career. And if you want to go back and find somewhere else to build that, Go and do it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it can be a for now, not forever. And enjoy the summer. Like have one summer of no working with your kids. You're going to the zoo. You're going to the aquarium. You're bopping wherever. But then after that, they're getting older. They're in school full time during the year. I mean, there's flexible jobs that can still let you make it to your kids' practices and games and concerts and things like that. But I mean, if it's stay-at-home mom or even a part-time gig that gives you a little self-fulfillment but still lets you make it for everything, then that's what you do. But enjoy the little break and getting to spend time with your kids while they're young because they're not young forever. This is true. And that's what I was going to say. Enjoy the experiences that you're able to have with them now and do something that you wouldn't have done before. Yeah, yeah I think you guys nailed it because additional info, I don't really want to find another job. I had the most flexible nine to five job before that allowed me to be present for kids activities, school help, any and everything for my kids. I already do most everything anyway in terms of home, kids, family, life, as my husband has a pretty demanding job that's high up at his company. He's also the only one on an executive level team who had a working spouse, which would lead him to be excited for me to connect more with his partners, wives, and husbands. I'm just embarrassed by being laid off. I prided myself on being someone who could do it all. Fulfilling career, several kids, happy marriage, and a great connected family. And now I feel less than, which is exactly what you guys picked up on right away. Yeah. Which, how do you deal with getting laid off? Which I will just say, like, I think layoffs right now are so scammy. Pizza Hut is a big one I keep seeing. And the Pizza Hut CEO made $22 million or something crazy. And I saw some stat that with all the people they laid off, he could pay 
for them to have increases, all of them, and still make $4 million more than those people. And it's like, it's not like getting laid off, I really think has nothing to do with you. I think it's like this capitalist corporate greed that we got going right now. And Matt's getting a little <laughs> heated over here, but wrong show, wrong show. <laughs> okay. Do I think that there's a lot of greed in the world? Yes. Um, I mean, wrong show. We're, we're going to yeah, dive yeah, down d- into a financial yeah. hole here. Yeah. But how do you deal with getting laid off? Right. So layoffs happen for a number of reasons. Um, I've been with companies that have been acquired and then have been laid off. I've been with companies that have gone bankrupt and been laid off. Uh, I've also been with a smaller company that the owner was having some relationship issues and getting divorced and craziness and was the whole like team was laid off. So I think you just have to take it for what it is as like, this is what's transpiring. This sucks at the time because most people are, holy shit, I need to make money Mm -hmm. to live and support myself. Well, you have unemployment as a little bit of a backup. Take that time and figure out what you actually want to do with the rest of your life and which direction you want to go. I've never, anytime I've been laid off or I've left a job, it's always been for the better, even though at the time it sucks. Yeah. And it's hard to like realize that, dang, the next thing I do is going to benefit me. I'm going to learn new things, new opportunities, new experiences. And it's hard to see that at the time. But I think most people, once you're an, an adult, people realize like layoffs happen. It's not your fault. Yeah. yeah. One of this is the first time you've been through it too. It's like, oh, it just hurts. It like you you put so much of your life into a company 10 years and then to get laid off, you're like, well, f- what what did I do all that for? Am I not good enough to keep? But I think after 10 years, it's clear you were good at your job. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been there 10 years. And so. you were able to do it all. I mean, yeah. this doesn't take away from anything any success you've had mm-hmm. by being this multifaceted person that can do it all. You you've can proven do it you all. can. Yeah. Right. So but you don't you, have to. Right. But like Matt said, if you, you know, maybe it's hard to realize in the moment, but if you flip this into a positive, mm-hmm. look at it. Wow. I've been given this chance to take a break, step back and reevaluate. What do I really want to do going forward? Then, yeah, it can be a really nice thing. And it doesn't take away from everything else you've accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Keep us posted. I would love to have an update from you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be great to hear how the summer went. And yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. That'd be good. Onward. Okay. Number two. Hello, Jerry, Morgan, Justin, and whoever else is joining this week. Maybe it's hello, Matt, Morgan, and Justin. Hi, (laughs) Matt. I have some in-law issues that I need some fatherly advice on. I have always had a great relationship with my in-laws. I never understood in-law issues because mine were always so great until now. My in-laws own a business and my sister started working there a few months ago. She has been a huge help to the company and honestly has put so much of her soul and free time into building this company from the ground up. Last week, my sister got into a car accident. She was hit by a drunk driver. Thankfully, she was not injured, but she was very shaken up and mentally not well. She was involved in a really bad accident a few years ago and almost lost her life, so it brought up some really traumatic feelings for her. 
My sister called out of work the next day because she really just needed a mental day. This is where the problem started. My father-in-law does not understand at all why she had to call out because she was not hurt physically. He doesn't understand her PTSD and how this has affected her mentally. The next time he saw her after all of this happened, he berated her like a child and basically victim blamed her and told her if she wasn't out after two on a work night, she never would have gone into an accident and she put herself in this position. My sister goes to a lot of concerts and is often out late, but she always goes to work the next day. There was no way of knowing she was going to get into an accident. My sister was in tears her entire shift and he would just not let up. He kept bringing it up even though he could see how upset she was. I feel absolutely disgusted by his behavior. I understand he runs a small business and one person calling out can result in having to close the store. But where is his empathy? A simple, quote, that was unacceptable, don't let it happen again, would have been fine. But to do what he did was torture. I feel so lost on what to do. My husband feels like he should have a talk with his dad, but I don't think his dad is a very rational person. And I'm worried if we get involved too much, this is going to turn into a major issue. One thing I should mention, my in-laws live in a different state, so my father-in-law travels here and stays here for long stretches to run the business. When he is in town, he lives with me and my husband. I feel so heartbroken for my sister, and I don't think I can ever look at my father-in-law the same way ever again. Any advice on how to handle this situation would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. I feel like this is like a Am I the Asshole episode right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd really love to know what the father-in-law's age is. Yeah. Um, this sounds like a like an old school type mentality. Yep. Um, suck it up. Don't show emotion. Don't have emotions. Bury it. Like, get to work. You should be at work. And for the sister that was in the accident, good for her. Plays like a champion. Shows up for work usually. Doesn't matter if she goes out, parties, whatever. Yeah. Play like a champion. No excuses. <laughs> right? That's that's the rule. So it's not her fault. And she did nothing that she deserves it. Or it's not her responsibility to make sure that everybody else in the world drives sober. Like, that's yeah. not her fault. She's had these experiences that have shaped her. And I could imagine if you nearly lost your life, that would bring up some bad memories. Oh and my God, yeah. To take a mental day after getting into an accident, this is not the end of the world. If the store needs to close for a day, Probably not the end of the world. It honestly, yeah. your father-in-law, I agree, is being ridiculous. And I don't know if it's gonna help if you even have the talk with him because is he so set in his ways? But you could absolutely tell him how you feel. You have a right to feel the way you feel mm -hmm. and and then move on. And your sister can choose that she doesn't want to work for somebody like that. Right. She can go find a different job. Mm -hmm. when it comes down to it like your sister did the right thing she did what was best for her at that point in time and good for her yeah. fuck, fuck your father-in-law <laughs> yeah well I think that's the hard part too like working with family can be so challenging working for a small business can be so challenging because there's not a lot of other people to pick up the slack and it's unfortunate that she was treated this way but I think you make a great point of 
going forward. Is this the environment she wants to work in where she isn't valued from a human standpoint? Even though she's family, she's kind of another cog in the wheel. It's unacceptable to miss one day because you went through something traumatic. And I think that is going to be the question to really ask going forward. I was curious how much the family piece was, you know, playing into this. Would he treat another employee this way? Someone that he's like not close to? But at the same time, you know, with business, you do need to separate. If it is a family business, you you do need to separate the two. Mm -hmm. Um, Unless someone goes goes too far, then obviously it's like if you are completely disrespected and treated horribly, it's hard for them to be like, well, that's just business. And then we're going to be fine when we go to our family gathering. But you still need to be able to separate the two to an extent. So I don't know how much that played into this because... I think it boils down to what kind of work environment do you want to work in more than it does. Do you want to work within the family? Cause I think it, I, I don't think it had too much of an effect, obviously because of the way he reacted. Right. Um, and I was going to kind of say yeah. that because it's not his daughter. It's the, the daughter-in-law's daughter-in-law. sister. Exactly. Yeah. So like, was it just an in is, and then is it really like a family business or is it just, oh, that's my daughter-in-law's sister that works for us. Right. Um, I used to do staffing and I, when I would hire for some different managers, like I have this person in my head and just like gruff and rough around the edges and zero empathy because at the end of the day, it's all about the business right. and there's no human side of it. That I would have a hard time working there. I guess going forward, do you think the husband and daughter-in-law, you know, should have a conversation with him, especially he stays with them when he comes into town to work at this location or whatever it is. Like, I feel like it could be a casual, easy family dinner, but at the same time it could go wrong. So like, what do you think on that with dealing with an in-law? I have tended to like shy away from disagreements or arguments with the in-laws because I want to keep peace. But I think like if there was this ongoing issue or it kept coming up, mm-hmm. I would have a sit down conversation. It could be at the dinner table, which it might end dinner early, but I would just say, you know, I would have both the daughter and the husband and maybe even the husband kind of brings it up like, hey, dad, you know, we've been thinking a lot about this. We want to talk to you about how you treated X, Y, and Z, like you can't treat people this way. Like this is how we feel about the situation and we want to let you know how we feel. And if you continue to act like this, you're going to lose support for the business and people are going to start looking at you differently, Mm -hmm. X, Y, and Z and lay out how you feel and have a conversation and try not to be, don't, don't attack. Just say, this is how we feel. This is like what we saw. This is what we think. Right. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we always say uh, any issues with a significant other's family should be addressed by a united front. It's got to be both of you going into it. Totally. Because if, let's say you as the kid to the parents that you're having the issue with as a couple, if you just go, it's not going to look great because they're going to be like, oh, they're just making you come do this for them. If they, like Morgan, if Morgan would go do it on her own, then it's like, well- 
It's not really my then place. I don't then and then I'm not fully supporting it. So it's seen yep. as like a well, that might not be his interest. So yeah. if you're both there and both united front, I think that always goes better, no matter what the issue is. I think you definitely like you should be responsible for dealing with your family of origin. But having the other person there, your partner there, yeah, it might help. But it depends. I guess it yeah. depends on the the situation for sure. But, but yeah, I think this one, because it is her sister, yeah. it would be great to have both of them. But I'm curious if the husband works at the family business too. Mm-hmm. And like he saw it because that also makes this conversation easier. Like, hey, you know, I feel after watching the interaction, like you didn't really acknowledge she almost died. This is a scary thing for her. And taking a mental health day, other employees might need that too. So going forward, you know, I'd love to handle it differently. Yeah. I mean, even us after our little fender bender. Yeah. We got rear-ended. You too? Down in San Diego. We were down there for a friend's birthday and just kind of came to a stop on the highway and just. My neck still hurts. But the thing is about it is then the next day we're driving and all these cars are slowing down on the highway and both of us are glued to the mirrors. We're just like, staring just waiting for someone to hit us again yeah and imagine almost dying and then getting hit by a drunk driver well that's that's what i'm saying is we heard this car screeching and they pulled out onto the 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 shoulder and we both froze and had a moment of this ptsd i mean it's nothing compared to this but even us just experiencing that on that level i can imagine how i wouldn't want to go right into work the next morning no especially you know this happened probably later. Yeah. You get home after, you know, it's probably 4 a.m. She can't sleep. Adrenaline, panic. It's just a lot. So I think, you know, talking to him, hey, you know, let's have a little empathy going forward. And then if it doesn't work, then. Then there you go. And you can really evaluate if you want to work there. Yeah. Want to know what type of business. And I want to know if they actually had to close the store down or if they had it the shift covered. Yeah. And maybe that's something that your husband, if he's involved in the business, can bring up like, hey, let's have people that are kind of on call coverage. Like, let's hire a couple other part timers and have people ready in the wings. Like, because, yeah, it can hurt business. But at the same time, your employees are not machines and mental health is important too. Yeah. Yeah. If you take care of your employees, they take care of you. Yeah. Okay. Moving along. One of this week's partners is Hungry Root. Are you like me and trying to eat a little healthier in 2024? Well, Hungry Root is here for the rescue. So no more of those short-lived resolutions because meal prepping and planning is hard. Hungry Root is going to make it easier for you to eat healthy. And one thing I really love is they cater to everyone. They support all of the major diets and lifestyles from gluten-free, vegan, vegetarian, dairy-free, low-carb, and it's super easy to get started. You just take a short quiz, tell Hungry Root about your goals, what you already like to eat, and then they'll keep your needs and preferences at the top of mind while they start building out this perfect meal plan for you. We have loved everything Hungry Root has sent us in the past. It fit into our lifestyles really seamlessly where a lot of it was already pre-made, just ready to go. And they had breakfast options. So you start your day off on the right foot and you're not hangry before 11 a.m. So if you're ready to try it for yourself, right now, Hungry Root is offering Father Knows Something listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com FKS to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com FKS. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. Hello, everyone. I'm a longtime listener of Two Hot Takes, and I've been listening to Father Knows for a while now. 
I've been wanting to write in for an issue I've been having with my family, more specifically, my parents. To make a very complicated and long story short, my parents are in an open marriage. They are with another married couple, and it has been very hard for my sister and I. A little over a year ago, my sister had a baby, and my parents kicked her and her little family out so they could move their friends into their house with them. Since then, they have been trying to force their relationship on my sister and I, and are even allowing their new partners to call themselves grandparents to my niece and my son. I am pregnant and I'm due in February. My sister and I have brought up with our parents many times that we don't want to be around their partners for various reasons, not just because it's an open marriage, but one of the reasons being that the couple is very toxic and it has started to rub off on my parents. The reaction we got from our parents when we have brought this up has always basically been, quote, well, they are important to us and we aren't here to please you, so deal with it. Since the holidays are coming up, they want us to spend the entire day with their partner and their kids so we can all be one big happy family. But I'm struggling with wanting to go, and so is my sister. Recently, my sister and her husband landed on hard times and my parents wouldn't even take their own grandchild for a night because they would rather be with their new significant others. My mom and sister also got into a huge fight, and my mom got physical with my sister, which has never happened before. I'm just nervous about the holidays, and I'm still struggling with whether or not I should cut out my parents. I've been going back and forth for the last two years. I also want to preface, they have been with other couples that I have loved, but this one in particular is very toxic and controlling. And it feels like my parents constantly choose them over their own children. There are a lot more details to the story, but I wanted to keep it as short as possible. Thank you for the advice. I love and appreciate you all so much. We've been there. I, We've dealt with parents' partners that we haven't really loved. I agree. So, I mean, I mean, there's a, a little bit more dynamic to this, right? Yeah. Um, all right, here's how I'll start. I guess what I'll say is like at any point in time, serve yourself and do what's best for you and your family. And I don't want to sound ultra conservative here, but if you don't want to have your kids around that upbringing and you don't want them around that environment, just remove them. Just cut them out. Unfortunately, sometimes that's what you have to do. Um, not everybody is going to agree with everyone's lifestyle and what you're choosing to do, but I feel like with this situation specifically, there's a huge lack of respect, especially when your fights are getting physical. Yes. Unacceptable. It's That's unacceptable. Crazy. And it's not at that point, is it really safe? Might be the wrong word to use, but it's unhealthy. Yeah. Right. So yeah, cut them out. Now, as far as you not liking them, if that's the only reason, I don't know. I've had to put up with a number of uh, different partners throughout our parents' lives that I've not liked. And mm -hmm. we just kind of put up with it and pick and choose how we interact and what functions we decide to go to or not go to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it sounds like your parents are in a midlife crisis. Honestly, that's what it sounds like. And it, I might be wrong on this, but it sounds like they're swingers, like an open marriage, but like they're swinging yeah. with different couples. And right now they're on just a different couple. And 
they're not there to please you. They're maybe they're in that honeymoon stage trying to like win that couple over. Yeah. I, I think it's trash. And as a parent, I don't agree with that. Yeah. I think like there's a lot of to each their own. Like you can say that, like if you want an open relationship and you want to do, you know, poly and all of that, like that is totally whatever floats your boat. Right. But when it starts affecting your kids and granted they're grown adults, you don't, you can't expect them to still want to be a part of your life. Like when you are being toxic so much so that you get physical with one of your daughters, you can't expect them to want to be around you anymore. And I think there's, there's a lot of justification here to cut off your, your parents. And I think, you know, there wasn't an an additional info, um, ideal outcome. I'm not really sure. I have many feelings and truly don't know what outcome I want. One, do I cut off my parents? Two, do I just try and stick it out and continue to be hurt? Why do you want to continue to be hurt? You can go low contact. You don't need to cut them out completely. You can maintain an okay relationship and catch up here and there and see them, but it doesn't have to involve your kids. It doesn't have to involve this other couple. You can pick and choose what relationship with them that you have, but if they don't want that and they're like, nope, you need to have my partners involved. Otherwise I'm not involved. Then that's the choice they're also making. Yeah. Comes down to setting boundaries then, right? Yeah. So set your boundaries and you're the adult, you're the parent of, Mm -hmm. you know, your son and your sister's daughter. You're the parent, set the boundaries. And if people don't respect that, then there's consequences to not respecting those boundaries. And I just thought of that one of the points you brought up is that the couple that they're now swinging with, they're letting, they want to be called grandpa. Grandma and grandpa. Yeah, grandma and grandpa. I'm sorry, fuck no. I disagree no. with that because it sounds like they've had multiple couples and it's not a for sure thing. They're, they're not, not locked in. They're not locked in. Yeah. So that would be one of my boundaries is absolutely not. They are to be called by their first names and it's not grandpa or grandma anything like that. It's grandma and grandpa's friends, Tom and Judy. I mean, yeah. exactly. It's that is like that is the most ridiculous thing. I think that in like the comment like we're not here to please you, so deal with it. Like, hey mom, dad, like this is a conversation. Like you just let's be respectful of each other. That was really annoying to me, but I mean, we just had this conversation now with Justin and I getting engaged. Like, does he transition to uncle now? And it's like well, yeah, he's a little more locked in, but I completely agree. I think that's a bit different. No, but I'm just saying like <laughs> you can have these conversations. Like I think a lot of us have non-traditional lives where our friends become kids' aunt, uncle. You know, we we can choose our family, but the difference is this is not your chosen family. This is your parents and this partner or partners trying to push we're grandma, grandpa One, it's too. Them, it's them wanting the title. Yeah. I didn't come in saying, oh, we're engaged now. Guess what, kids? I'm uncle. <laughs> They've started that. Yeah. I walked in and it was like, Uncle Justin. I'm like, yeah, cool. sweet. <laughs> like it wasn't, it, it's different when it's being demanded from the, the top down. And yeah. And it's like, no, it, I mean, we see that a lot where it's like, no, I'm your mom now with the stepmoms coming in. Yeah. These, it, like all these stories. I think the bottom line here is like, regardless of what type of relationships our parents have, because like, obviously our parents who have been with people we haven't really liked or agreed with or have not been the healthiest, their relationship was more simple, but still take complexity of an open marriage out of it. And we still put ourselves 
our mental health, our safety first and would advocate for ourselves, you very much so with your kids about, you know, I'm just not comfortable being in that space. Whatever you do with your relationship, you're going to do, but you have to look out for yourself. Right. And if they're offended, it's like you guys can control what you want to go do. That's Mm -hmm. fine. I'm going to react and control what I'm going to control. There's nothing wrong in inherently about either side. Yeah. It's just, I don't want X in this environment and I'm making that choice for them. I agree. And when you're, when you're going to set the boundaries and pick and choose what you're comfortable with, those are some hard, hard conversations and just stick to your guns because the person that doesn't agree and like wants you to not have that boundary, they're going to push back typically. Well, they're already doing it. At least they're already starting to have hard conversations. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of the time you're people pleasing, people pleasing, people pleasing. And it's like, God, I have to have this conversation. You put it off. They're already in it though. So it's just another hard conversation. Just tack it on. Let's go. How have you, because you've had those with your kids and really advocating for your family. How have you like held your guns? Do you have any advice for anyone that might have to have these hard conversations with their family members? Like, like do it in person, do it over a phone, give them space, like any tips? Um, I guess however you feel comfortable delivering the message. I think if you're able to, one, if you're able to keep your cool and not yell, not argue, but just very factual layout how you feel, I'm just going to throw it out there. Like I had to have a tough conversation with my mom and her past partner because they would used to argue a lot and not just argue, but like scream, yell, swear, X, Y, and Z. And my kids were not allowed to go travel to that house and stay there without Amy and I there because mm-hmm. when it was just the two of them there, they would fight. When we when we are around, it was fine. It was fine. Or it, if something did happen, you could. Exactly. You could remove. Yeah. Right? So it was just very much a conversation of like, here's what I expect. I'm not going to have, if I'm out of town and you're watching the kids, they're not allowed to go up there with you. You can stay here at our house. It's open and available to you. If you don't like that, I'll find other arrangements for the kids. And it's this is simply the fact that I don't trust your ability to not have an argument or raise your voice, yell, et cetera around our kids and we don't yell around our kids. Mm -hmm. Like I think in total, Eloise is six now. I think I've raised my voice twice. (laughs) That's pretty freaking good. So that's really good. I mean, I think you did it perfectly. That's, that's a great example. And you know, there's going to be tears. I mean, my mom's a very emotional person and I think, you know, depending on who your your family is, there could be tears, there could be, you know, emotional manipulation or guilt, the guilt trip. And I think you just have to realize like your kids are like, you are their advocate. You are their voice when they're little like that. So you really just got to hold your guns and realize that you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Okay. Keep us posted on this. This is a, this is a tough one. And it sounds like, you know, you're, this might have been written before the holidays, so update us. Let us True. know how the holidays went. Um, but congratulations on your little one due in February. You're like a month and a Knocking half on the away. Door. 
Uh, Two is different. It's yeah. harder. <laughs> you would know. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Is there something you did last year that you're really proud of? Maybe you learned how to set boundaries a little better, practice self-care a bit more. I know the new year can be a time of looking forward to getting better and doing new things for ourselves, but we should also reflect on what we did good last year, which means it might be a great time to give therapy a try because with therapy, you can find your strengths so you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that are actually going to stick. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I have loved online therapy in the past. The convenience factor was huge for me. Online therapy made it easy, had a sounding board, someone I could vent to. It was really great and something I'm going to be picking up again this year. Super easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. And one thing I really like is that you can switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com FKS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash F-K-S. Okay, number four. Short read here. I gave my cousin and his girlfriend a bunch of hand-me-down kids' clothes slash items. All free, as Jerry would say, piss on it rule. (laughs) As a parent, I always give away my kids' things I no longer need for free or very cheap to try and help other parents out. A few months go by and his girlfriend is selling the hand-me-downs for way more than they're worth. They both also have decent paying jobs and are not hurting for money. Is it rude that I no longer want to give them hand-me-downs and would rather give them to someone who will give them away for free or sell for cheap when they are done with them? No, I think this is extremely rude. Um, For me, I know... I know the piss on it rule. I know you should give things without any dictation over where they go, what happens to them. But like you think you're doing a kind thing, giving them to someone who could benefit and need them. And then they turn around and sell them. I'd be donating them to a women's shelter from now on. I would not give them to these people that are, you know, both doing okay and then selling them for more money. Like give them to people who actually need them. I think that is totally fair. It's your shit. You're spending your hard earned money on it. Give it to people who actually need it. Yeah. I'd be pissed. (laughs) I'd be so mad. I see both sides of it. I I agree. I know I definitely, depending on the items that I would give away, I might be a little like, what in the heck? Like, so I guess depending on how close you are with these individuals, like maybe you have the conversation and say, hey, when you're done with these, I want these back. Like if if you're trying to help them, right? Like, hey, I'm going to give you these, but when you're done with them and the kids outgrow them or whatnot, I'd really like them back. That's a good way to do it. Um, On the other side of things, like there are some people out there that are extremely frugal with their money and want, I don't, maybe want to make money is the wrong word, but if they can make some extra money, like 20 bucks is 20 bucks, right? Every bit helps. So, hey, if I can sell these shoes for, 10 bucks and I can sell those shoes for five and this pair of jeans for $3 eventually, depending on their garage sale or however they're doing it. Yeah. (laughs) You know, what's an extra 500 bucks or a thousand bucks. So I don't know. It's hard to dictate that. I guess I can, I can see how you'd be mad if you really wanted it to just be a hand me down and like continue like helping others. 
then set the precedent if you're going to give them stuff in the future that you get it back from them. And then you can redonate it to the next person in line, I guess. Yeah. Have you ever... Oh, sorry, go. The rule is tough, but I think it really is to protect the giver. Keep your feelings safe. To protect you from any emotion whatsoever with what happens after. That's the hard part. I cannot. I can't detach. But... Right, but it, it's when you give it to someone so close yeah, that's within range of you figuring out what ends up happening to these yeah. things mm-hmm. versus like when you send them off to Goodwill or a shelter, your hope they're being put to good use. And I'm, I, I bet a lot of the time they are. But yeah. you don't know if for whatever reason, the Goodwill bag gets mixed up with the trash bags and it goes out accidentally. It's not yours anymore. But because you don't you know. know, it doesn't affect you. So it's when you give things to people close to you with this said rule that you are, you know, in danger of having those mm-hmm. feelings. Yeah. So and it's it's tough. It's really tough. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, you did give it away and it's your choice. You don't have to give them anything else ever again if, if that's how you really feel like. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. don't do it. <laughs> you don't have to. Have no. you ever dealt with anything like this with your kids' hand-me-downs? Um, we actually for, and we've gotten hand-me-downs for both kids. Um, yeah. for Emmett, the rule is like, um, our, we have a good friend who works with Amy mm-hmm. and we get boxes upon boxes of Gosh. clothes for Emmett and shoes, but they go back to L to that person. <laughs> <laughs> They go back to that person when <laughs> Emmett outgrows mm-hmm. that stuff. So sure. we don't give it away. Um, and there are sometimes like, obviously, they're like, do you know anybody else that would want this? And yeah. then it goes away. Sure. And then we never like see that. it again. But yeah, we always give it back. Yeah. And obviously, like kids, like some stuff is going to get ruined and oh, like super dirty. And that's to be expected. But I, well, I think that would be me. I would like be like, you can use it for however long. And if it gets wrecked, it's fine. But like, just to be able to then ensure it goes to another person who needs it. You just still have emotions in it though. <gasps> and the I reason can't. why it goes back is they're not done having kids. Mm, okay. So it might get a third use. I love that. Oh, well, that makes sense. Done light, right? Yeah. So. I love that. Tough. Tough one. Because every situation with that could be so different. Absolutely. Everything. Yeah. I would just like, I think it's, for me, it's kind of like... I don't know why it feels like this, but I would just feel so like it feels scummy that I spent my hard earned money and then I'm giving it to you because you need it. And then you sell it for more than it's even worth. Well, yeah. Like, are you giving, are you going to give me a cut then? Where's my cut? I just, it's got to go to a shelter. It's got to go where you don't ever see it again. Yeah. It's going to a shelter. Sorry. No, I'm just going to tell you a story after we're done with recording. <laughs> we got some tea, guys. <laughs> we got tea. Um, On to number five. Let's do it. Okay, number five. Yeah. Hey, y'all. Hi. What up, yo? <laughs> I'm not sure where else to go with this. As you can imagine, I can't talk to my dad about it. Me, female 27, and my partner, male 30, are having some serious intimacy issues and I don't know what to do at this point. We have been together for about four years, and things in the bedroom have slowed down significantly. 
We used to not be able to keep our hands off one another. And now I feel like we actually are intimate, like maybe once a week, more recently, once every other week. I'm not shaming anyone who is happy with that amount of sex. Everyone has their preference. This just isn't mine. It really slowed within the last year. I was concerned that it was because I put on weight. I'm recovering from an eating disorder, but he assures me that he finds me sexy and insists it is because he has a low libido. His confidence when it comes to sex is almost non-existent. He apologizes for his performance, and I assure him I am more than satisfied. Now, as much as I want to have sex, I almost dread it in a way. I want it to be the way it was. It's so frustrating to be so excited and then for him to be so embarrassed and need to be comforted after. It takes away from everything. I know that sounds selfish, but it's been a year of this. It never matters what I say. I've communicated that I am unhappy with our level of intimacy. We've had the conversation several times. I ask what I can do to make him feel sexy. He says to initiate, I do, and then get turned down. I am really kind about how we talk about the issue, and he always asks how I think it makes him feel, constantly bringing it up, and that it makes him feel less of a man. We've had maybe two or three conversations about it in the last year. I finally had him agree to therapy, only after a six-week trial period of him promising to change his behavior, then if I'm still not happy, we will get counseling. I'm two weeks into the change and nothing is different. What should I do? Any resources I can turn to? He is medicated for ADHD and struggles with depression. He seems to be in a good way right now. I don't know. I feel like it's me and it's eating me alive. Sorry for the length. Any help is appreciated. Gosh, there's a lot there. Um, all right, I'll just dive in. Let's yeah. do it. So I think it's only been two weeks. I think that you have to give it time, like for the therapy. Mm-hmm. Like it takes time. Things don't just happen overnight, especially with somebody who is dealing with some major insecurities. I think that talking about it is good with somebody else. Counseling, I think maybe even just start that as well along with the therapy. And I think sex for guys can be difficult at times. Um, There's performance issues, right? Um, Climaxing early or just not, there's a, I think there's a lot of pressure for men to be able to perform in the bedroom. So I guess, I guess where I'm going with this is like, there are issues and he needs to like start addressing it and working on it. And like, they make pills now that, can fix that. And maybe that's not the performance issue we're talking about, right? Yeah. I, I'm not sure what it might be, but work on it, work on it together mm-hmm. and start explaining like, oh, we're going to use the same example. Hey, you came early. That's okay. You can still please me, finger me, Yeah, you know, do other things, yeah. use this toy until you get back in the game, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And this is really all I got. No, I think I think <laughs> you're you're on the right track for sure. And I I it sounds like our writer here is doing everything right. You're talking about it. You're trying to handle it in a delicate way. You're you're encouraging therapy. And I think two weeks, you're spot on with that. It's 
two weeks is too soon. I I think even the six of seeing a therapist every week is I think it's, it's going to take some week, time. No, it's six week trial, and if nothing changes, we start therapy and counseling. Oh, oh I thought they had started only after a six week trial period of him promising to change his behavior. And if I'm still not happy, we will get counseling. I think at this point, therapy should be non negotiable. Um, I, I think he's dealing with some stuff and, you know, depression can really affect your libido and things like that, but he seems good, but you know, is he good? I think therapy could be great. There's also sex therapists that work with you two together. It's kind of a blend of therapy while looking at him, looking at it from a lens of intimacy and sex and, um, adaptations and things like that. But, you know, therapy for me after this, you know, year of issues and him kind of wanting to sweep it under the rug and getting defensive, you know, getting defensive is expected, but I think it would be time for therapy. I think that would be non-negotiable. Like unless he's, you know, magically putting in a lot of work during that six week trial period, but it doesn't seem like it. That makes sense. Yeah. That was kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes more sense. And maybe it's for him, maybe it's, you know, we're talking about low sex drive. Well, he has a low sex drive and that's why it's not happening. Like what is causing the low sex drive? Is it strictly the performance anxiety? Like he has such anxiety over it or is it also like his body image? Like what does he think about himself? What does he think about who he is as a person? Like he just doesn't sound very secure in a lot of different areas in his life. And I think the therapy and counseling could maybe help boost him up a little bit. Yeah. And I think like, you know, you were worried about your weight gain and that's something I've dealt with where it's like, I don't feel good in my skin. And it's like, I'm not encouraged to go do that. So yeah, maybe he's dealing with that as well. Um, which if it makes you feel better, the more there's like literally this weird study that made me feel better. But, um, if you gain weight in your relationship, it's typically a sign of happiness. So you see that on TikTok. Yeah, I did. I haven't gained any though. Do you know what it is? Fuck. Oh, as I say, you're getting old, friend. <laughs> I've been only improving. Justin works out a lot more. I don't work out at all. See, right here now. I thought she was saying <laughs> that you gained weight, but no, I gained weight. So I'm like, oh, it means I'm happy. Did. It means I'm happy. So there's that to feel good about. But yeah, I think I think there's there's options here to work through it, but. It is hard. How long have they been together again? Four years. Yeah. So like, when do you kind of get to a point in a long-term relationship where, you know, you're trying to encourage growth, you're trying to work on issues, but, you know, after a certain time period, you might have to call it or, you know, this is a hard one because before this libido issue, everything seems like it's, it's perfect. Their sex, their chemistry, their compatibility really lined up. It's just this now bump in the road. Honeymoon stage is over, right? Um, I'll say I've been together with Amy for 20-ish years. That's nuts. So there's definitely like ebbs and flows to every relationship. Now, they're late 20s, early 30s, yes. right? Uh, normally by that point, you you kind of have things figured out, but with any relationship, right? It's, there's ups and downs and Mm -hmm. our, our sex life very much ebbs and ebbs and flows, I guess I'll say. And you you have to put in the time 
and be intimate. Put the phones down at night. Make a a rule. There's no phones in the bedroom after eight o'clock. They go on the chargers and like have conversations, play games, you know, find ways to to reconnect with that person because a lot of times that can have yeah. an impact on it as well. Yeah. I think it's interesting coming from a place where everything was working so well to a place where we have all these insecurities, which may make it even worse. Cause it's like, well, I used to, and now I'm being compared to that. Mm-hmm. So now it it's like a bad uh, snowball effect I with that. I can see that, yeah. Um, but the thing is, I'm getting the sense that she, from her perspective, at least, she's making it such a comfortable environment, which if anyone has had any of those issues, having a partner that's like, no, everything's everything's great. I'm like, I'm loving our sex life or whatever and helping them through that. I just think once you, it, it must be once you get to a point where you feel you're really un, not performing, you can't hold up the standard you used to. And now you can see in your partner that they're starting to recognizing, like starting to recognize it. And it's just going downhill. Well, you feel guilty too. It's, guilty. There's I, so many. It may be a sex therapist or therapy, maybe both, that takes that bounce to bounce you back up. Yeah. Because yeah. you can get there. I know you uh, can get there. It's yeah. just this mental game of going down this. I would imagine it's could be a little embarrassing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think. I think. I think you make a really good point about like putting phones away and things like that. But you guys are at this four-year mark. You know, the three-year mark is when I think a lot of people go through like trials, tribulations, and really growing pains in a relationship. And that's when this started, you know, a year ago. I think I would try to get back to like dating. Like Mm -hmm. sex does ebb and flow in a relationship. Let him work on that area with, you know, therapy and still connecting between the two of you. But get back to like intimate things that don't involve sex. Because think about, you know, in your 60s, are you going to be fucking like rabbits every week still in your 60s? Maybe some 60s year olds do, but, you know, health conditions arise in life. Accidents can happen. Travel, job. I mean, you never know where life is going to bring you. So how are you going to deal with those moments where you're not intimate? Get back physically intimate. So get back to kind of your roots of like, let's get close. Let's be connected find other ways to do it while you're processing going through this this challenge and he's going to go to therapy. Yeah. And if we finish up with the ideal outcome, it makes perfect sense for that. Our sex life and his confidence to improve. I want to feel desired and I want him to feel that way too. Therapy. It's so, a beautiful thing. But also it is true. Like what's the foundation of a sex life? And mm-hmm. it is the connectedness. It is the dating. It's the it's everything that goes into your connection. The emotional intimacy. Yeah. I think for a lot of people, if they don't feel emotionally connected to their partner, the physical drive is not there. Yeah. And so get back to the roots. Back to the roots. I agree with that. I would ask, I'm going to throw this in there. And maybe she's mentioned it in here, but does she ask what he foresees in the future? How do they see their relationship going? Is this long-term, you know, and ask him to be extremely truthful. Is this still what you want? Yeah. Am I still what you want? Are we on the same path? Are we still growing together? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And and go from there. And if the answer is like, yes, I still want you. I still want to grow together. Um, I'm not just hanging around because it's comfortable. Then, okay, let's figure out a plan where we can both put in the work to get what we both need out of this relationship. Well, and that reconnection that. at the simplest level could be enough to empower the bounce yeah. back up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay. Usually dad signs us off. So yeah. we're going to let you sign us off today. Yeah. How does he normally sign you off? Hey everyone, you know, thank you for listening to father knows something. I'm the replacement dad today. Um, hope you enjoyed all the advice <laughs> and uh, can't wait to see you next week. Bye guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.